Good evening, everyone. Thanks for coming. Tonight's shear was sponsored by Dorothy Melvin, and this is in honor of her mother's yard site. Coming up this Shabbos, um, Ora Bas Avadia, the 15th of Cheshvan. Ora Bas Avadia, Allah HaShalom. May her neshama have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May Hashem channel, may she channel lots of brachas from Hashem down here to you for much mazel, much bracha, and only, only good. And may Hashem fulfill all of your heart's desires and all that you want and all that you need. Thank you for that dedication. Another dedication today was by Ne'ima Chen, and this is in honor of her mother's yardsite, which is going to be on Thursday, on the 13th of Cheshvan. Akhtar Bas Chayim and Kochav. Uh, may her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May Hashem bless you, Naima, with all that you need and all that you want in the spiritual and in the physical. Much, much, much baracha in, in, uh, in, in an abundant way, in a very big way. Thank you so much for that dedication. Thanks. Um, the CD this week is still available for uh, sponsorship. Anybody retroactively would like to claim the schus of the CD, uh, please let me know, and it will be yours. Thank you. Okay, this week's parsha is Parshas Vayera. It's a very exciting Torah portion. And I'd like to share with you a very special teaching. Um, and um, when we read the parsha, the beginning of Parshas Vayera, let me just do a quick summary of what happens. In the last Torah portion, Parshas Lech Lecha, um, Avraham Avinu uh, had his bris milah. Abraham had his bris milah, had a circumcision, and um, he went into the, a, a very deep covenant with God. The parsha opens up immediately after the circumcision. Avram is ill, and God comes to visit him. There is a, a revelation of God, God comes to visit him. And it was a very hot day, Rashi describes, and the Pasuk describes it was very hot. And then he gets guessed. And we know the sages tell us that these were not ordinary people. They were angels who came to visit him. Three angels came. 
And uh, the angels, the three angels that came to visit him, all had a different purpose. I will soon see. Um, the, the main reason was they came to notify Sarah that um, they came to notify Avram and bring them good news that they were going to have a, a baby boy. Now, even though they've had already God's promises all along that they were going to have a child, but this time, a time was given. Like, you know, you have a promise, but when, when, when? Sometimes the heart, in Yiddish you say, can suplatztverin, the heart can like already burst about when. We all know God has all the good intentions and he wants to, he's giving us all the blessings, but we want to know when, right? When? When is it going to happen already? Whether it's Moshiach, whether it's, it's our own Moshiach, they get things that need to happen in our lives. So Avram and Sarah, they're patiently waiting and waiting and waiting, but when? So this is the first time they were given the time. They were told in exactly one year, you're going to have a child. Yitzhak would be born. This was on Pesach. A year later, Yitzhak would be born. The other angel came to heal Avram. Immediately after this, the angels depart, and uh, off they are to the cities of Sodom and Amorah. These are four, five cities uh, which were very, very corrupt and very evil. And God decided that the time has come to destroy and eliminate these cities. And so these two angels go there, and they, they, they bring about the destruction. Avram stands up, and when he finds out what's about to happen, puts up a very, very, very big fight to try to rescue the cities from God's wrath, tries to find merit and tries to you know, get Hashem to rethink this, his, this terrible decree. And he pleads, and he negotiates, master of negotiation, but he fails in his negotiations because you don't find in the end the minimal amount of righteous people in order to save the cities. The cities aren't saved. They're completely devastated. Besides, just a few people were rescued. Who was rescued? Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. His wife, in the midst of her flight, uh, turned into a stump of salt. One of, the, uh, one of the weirdest things ever to happen in the Torah. Like, it, like the way we just read it and like it. She turned, this woman turned into salt. It's, it's a very strange thing. But in any case, that's what happens. And then after that, um, uh, the story Lot escapes, and he ends up in a cave, the whole story with his two daughters, and fine. That's the story of the beginning of Parsha's Vayera. That's not the entire Parsha, but that's the story at the beginning of Parsha's Vayera. Um, the question over here tonight we're going to deal with is, what's this really the sequence of, this, of these stories? Okay, you have the story with Avram, and then immediately after that, I mean, obviously the sequence is, they happen one after another. But is there any deeper content in the relationship between the first story, Avram, the angels coming to visit Avram, and then the, the, the um, destruction of the five cities, of these five corrupted cities. Um, now, the, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to present to you a, a series of, a little bit of a different style class of earlier classes, I'm going to present to you 20 questions. Um, usually ask quite a few questions, but today half the class is going to be questions. 20 questions, and then after the 20 questions, we're going to take one idea, and, those, and that one idea is going to fabulously, in, a, in an unbelievable way, going to answer all these 20 questions and bring us a lot. Now, I did already give this year in, at an earlier period. Uh, people might have heard this class. I gave it as part of my Mashiach series. Um, there's another class that we give over here called Mashiach Matters, in which we go through the Torah, finding the thread of Mashiach. So two years ago, in that class, the Mashiach Matters class, I've already discussed this, um, but most of the audience that listens to the Parsha in my life class doesn't necessarily listen to that class, so it would be new to you. 
I might have also said it over in shul here once, maybe last year on Shabbos, I'm not sure. But um, again, for most of the audience, this would be new. And even for those who heard it already, it is so deliciously sweet that it's worth hearing it again. In any case, okay, let's begin. What we're going to do is we're going to go through the, the, um, the uh, questions. We're going to go through the parsha slowly, point out all these questions. And I'm going to, I'm, if, I, if I am giving it over correctly, we should have 20 questions by the end. You can, do, you can count, okay? 20 questions, and then at the end of the 20 questions, in one swoop, we're going to answer all of them. We're going to have to just keep head, keep our heads on, focus to be able to see. Keep head is a Yiddish avart. It's a halton cup. It doesn't work in English, but that's okay. Uh, of keeping our focused and being able to remember everything. If you want to grab a chumash, it might help you. Okay, so the parasha begins with Vayera Elav Hashem, that God appears to, to Avram. So Avram experiences a divine revelation. The interesting thing is it doesn't say for what purpose God came to visit him. I think it's the Abarbanel's question. It just says, God visited him. It doesn't say anything. And then the next passage, it says it was hot. He was, sitting, he was sitting outside by the entrance of his tent. It was a hot day, and that's it. Then it goes on. It says three people came, and Avram goes to take in and, 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 and busy himself with taking care of these guests. And there's no other, there's nothing else, there's no communication between God and Avram. So what was the purpose of this revelation? So Rashi, to answer this question, tells us that God didn't come to speak to him. God came to visit him because he was ill. It's a mitzvah to visit a sick person. Avram just had his bris milah. It was the third day of his circumcision. And God came to visit the sick. Okay. But usually whenever we have a vayeda, a love, there is, a, there is some kind of a, some kind of, Hashem appears for, for something, to say something. And over here we don't. Again, I know Rashi gives you an answer, but maybe we can have another explanation for why God, what was the purpose of this Vayeda Elav Hashem that Hashem appeared to Avram. Then it says, that he was sitting at the entrance of the tent. Now why is that important where Avram was sitting? That he was sitting at the entrance of the tent. Okay, I'll give you the answer. The simple answer that is given is to show you how, how much Avram, how, what, a, what, a, what a tremendously kind heart Avram had and how great his Mesiris Nefesh is, complete a dedication and devotion to the point of total self-sacrifice for the mitzvah of taking care of guests, of doing kindness. He was so kind that even though he was ill, he was sick, and most people, all they would want is to lay in bed and be pampered, Avram, other people should take care of him. He was an old man, he was 100 years old, 99 years old, and here um, he... He just wants guests, and he can't bear the thought that the house is empty, that he can't take care of people, he can't serve them. So he was sitting, at, no one was showing up, as we're going to see in a moment. No one, was, no one came that day. So Avram so anxiously was desiring guests that he was sitting by the door, looking around. Actually, it says in the Medrash that he sent Eliezer out to search for guests on all the roads. But he himself was sitting at the entrance, maybe, maybe he'll find someone. Okay. But if that would be the only reason why it says Vuhu Yeshef Pesach was sitting at the entrance of the tent, how come it repeats it again in the next Pasuk? It says that when he sees the guest, it says he, he sees the three people, Vayar he sees them, Vayaretz Lakrasam, and he runs towards them, Mi Pesach from the entrance of the tent. So we know already that's where he was sitting. So you see there's an extra time the Pasuk is emphasizing that he's sitting at the entrance of the tent. So what is the emphasis so much on Avram sitting on the entrance of the tent? The next question is, the Pasuk continues and it says, 
which means as the day was hot, or the actual meaning was the, as the day was heating up, meaning as it was getting very hot. Now, the better, and basically it wants to say that he was sitting outside when it was very hot. Now, why was it so hot? So Rashi tells us that God intentionally made it a very, very hot by doing something completely unnatural. He removed the sheath, the, 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 the container. The sun has a certain type of a filter, a certain container that protects the intense rays of the sun because if the sun would just shine upon the world as is, it would burn the world. So there is some kind of a container, whatever that is, maybe the ozone layer or whatever it is, that serves as the block filter that, that kind of weakens the intense rays of the sun. God removed that on that day. And the reason for that is because Hashem did not want that Avram Avinu should be bothered by guests. So Hashem made the day be very, very, very hot. It became so hot so that Avram would not be disturbed by guests. Fine. That's the reason for the heat. The question I'm asking over here today is it should say, it's the, actually the Kliyakar asked this question. At the heat of the day. It was like in the afternoon. It was like, or noontime. It was really the hottest it would get. So what is the idea? Whenever you say ke, ke means like the heat of the day. It was like, it seems to be comparing it to another hot day. So what, what does it mean that this was compared to another scorcher? Like we had last week, it was like a scorcher. Now it was comparing it to another scorching hot day. So what is the comparison that the Pasuk uses like the heat of the day? Now the other thing is, we're saying that God doesn't want Avram to be bothered by guests. So he makes it very, very hot. Now we all know in our own lives how many things that appear to be coincidences, but then we realize that it's by divine providence. How many times we're ready to run out of the house and then someone, call, someone calls us the last moment, we pick up the phone, we get... We get um, we get uh, caught up on the phone for five minutes. We only leave five minutes later. And then we realize that because we left five minutes later, so-and-so happened. A good thing, whatever. And actually, was it, we, we met someone else. You know, if we really to analyze all the hashkacha pratis, all the divine problems, we would go crazy. at marvel at the unbelievable elements where Hashem is continuously throwing us for a spin, turning our plans around, tweaking it this way and that way in order to get a certain result. So let's say how many guests would come to Avram on a regular day? I don't know. Let's say he would, have, he would serve 30 guests. Let's say 50 guests, maybe 100. I don't know how many came to him. Well, in order that these people shouldn't bother Avram, Hashem could have put into their minds or whatever it is, different plans. I mean, to, instead he goes and he messes with the entire force of nature. He removes, he makes it a scorcher for the entire world, takes the sun out of its sheath. I mean, changes my seberatious means the, the work of creation. I mean, God has to do all of that in order to stop a couple of guests from coming. There are many ways that Hashem, Hashem could have made that the, the, the whatever it was, the, the, the DWP was, uh, pay, was uh, blocking the road and needing to fix something and they caused no one is allowed to travel and finish and that would be it. I mean, you don't need to, to create, to, it seems a little bit of overkill on God's end to go make the whole world hot that, that he shouldn't get any guests. Not that Avram doesn't deserve it. God created the entire world for Avram Avinu. It actually says so in the Pasuk. Behi baram, the Pasuk says, the Chazal say when it says, these, these are the chronicles of, of the heaven and earth when they were created, ba'avram, for the sake of Avram, God created the world. So it's no big deal for God to change the cosmos 
uh, and, the, and the, the celestial uh, uh, thing, the uh, beings for Avram's, for, for Avram's sake. We're just asking that in general God is very reluctant and he only does the minimal inter, interference uh, in any situation. He intervenes only minimally. Uh, so why does he have to go and change, make it so hot? That's the other question. Okay, now let's continue on over here. What else happens over here? Let's read further. So now it's very hot. Pasuk says, Avram Bayisa Enov, he raises his eyes, as we said earlier, and he sees there are three people that are standing. The Pasuk says, Nitzavim Olav, they're standing on top of him. Strange words, standing on top of him. So Rashi says it means they're standing next to him. They were standing, and that, that's what he, so obviously, if you're saying, if you want to say they're standing next to him, but you're saying that they're standing on top of him, you obviously mean that they stood very, very close. They, they really almost touching him. They're like, like breathing down his neck. Nitzavim Olav. They're standing right next to him. But you can't say that that's the reason it says Nitzavim Olav, that they were standing right next to him, because in the next passage it says that Avram is running towards them. Now, not even the next passage, in the same passage. Vayar, he sees, Vayar is across them, and he runs towards them. So they could not have been standing right next to him while he's running. That's the Arachayim's question. What does it mean, Olav? They stood on him. Now, there is an answer for the, this. They're standing next to him and then they're running. Um, no, because in addition to that, the Abarbanel's question is the contradiction of these two things. The Archaim asks the question, what does it say? All love. They were standing on top of him. What's the Ambayar? They were, they were standing. And if you're going to say, as we're saying, the other answer, that, that uh, it means they stood next to him, the, the question the Abarbanel asks is that the verse seems to contradict itself within itself. Because here it seems they were standing very close to him, Nitzavim Olav, and then it says, Vayar Vayaretz, he reigned towards them. And it, more, Barbanel says, Nitzavim implies that they're standing still, stationary. They're standing in one place. Vayar Vayaretz Likrasam, it seems, it, it, it implies that they were moving. He's moving, he's running towards them, as it seems that they're walking. I mean, I guess I mean, you can run towards someone even if the person is standing, but towards, I think in, in the words of, of, of Hebrew, towards, it seems to be when both, both objects are moving, both entities are moving. You know where we see that? I'm just thinking of this right now uh, while, I'm, while I'm speaking. While we, is that you see that the, by, by Matan Torah, it says that the people went likrasa elokim. Moshe took the people out towards God. By Matan Torah, Rashi says from here you see that God came out like a chassan walks by a chuppah. A chassan takes a few steps towards the kala. So the kala, that means towards it when both entities are moving. So that's, that seems what the Abarbanel means. Netzavim means they seem to be standing and then it says that they were moving. So which one were they? Okay. Now, I mentioned earlier that what? Now another thing over here, it says, He bows down to them. Which is really strange because these entities, they came, they were, they were angels. These people that were coming were angels. But they were masquerading like people. They didn't look like angels. Rashi said, because he tells them when they come into his house, they shall wash their feet. Why is he so concerned that they wash their feet? He's concerned they should wash their feet because he was very careful not to bring any idolatry into his house, any idols into his house. And he thought that they were Arabs, and though this is still the days before Islam, so the Arabs weren't Muslims. The Arabs, the Arabs were pagans. And, one of the, and they would bow down to the dust of their feet. So, so, that, so these obviously are not two sophisticated 
people. These are ordinary folks, everyday people. Why is Avram Avinu bowing down to them? I mean, okay, it's one thing to treat them nicely, he wants to feed them, but bowing them down to people that are idolaters, pagans, what is he bowing to them? What is it? And it seems, you know, you can say simply it was a polite bow, but bowing means going all the way down to the floor, which is strange. The Arachayim asked this question. Like, why is Avram bowing and he doesn't even know who they are? If they're angels, we can understand. He's bowing. He's bowing to God, the king of the angels. Or the, right? So it's a strange thing. Now, it says there were three angels. Rashi says, why are these, why are these three angels? So Rashi tells us who these three angels are. One of them came to um, bring news to um, Avram and Sarah that they were going to have a baby. The other one came to turn over Sodom, to flip the cities over, as we mentioned earlier. The third one came to heal Avram. That's what Rashi says. Three angels. Okay? Because Avram had, his, had a circumcision. So the third angel, it was Malach Rifael, came to heal him. Now, if we analyze, now Rashi is very perfect in his words. And he's meticulous. He's accurately, when he writes something, he says something accurately. So when he lists the three angels, he lists them in a very interesting order. First he says, one of them came to notify Sarah about that she's going to have a baby. And the other one came to turn over Sodom. The third one came to heal Avram. Now, the second one seems out of place. The second one should have been last. Because to notify Sarah and healing Avram, that happened then in the morning. The turning over of Sodom was something that only happened in the evening. Because it says the angels left his house and they started going towards Sodom and they arrived in Sodom in the evening. That means that that, that action, that, that, that uh, task, that thing was only done later. So why is this angel that is going to do that listed second in Rashi and not third? Should have been listed after all the other ones. The first of the first two tasks and then goes that. And here's another question. This is a question asked by the first Gerer Rebbe, the Chadushe Harim. Very, very special, I mean, obvious question. He says, I don't, I don't get this. The angel that's coming to notify um, Avram of um, the angel that's coming to, I'm sorry, the angel that's coming to uh, turn over Sodom has no business coming to Avram Avinu in the first place. He has no, he's not doing anything in Avram's house. Why is he coming to Avram and Sarah's tent? The other two angels have a mission. One angel is coming to Ad, to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to notify Sarah, bring her good news. The other one is coming to heal Avram. So those two missions were taking place in Avram's house. But the turning over of Sodom was happening elsewhere. Not only was it happening elsewhere, it wasn't even happening now. It was happening much later. So what's this angel even doing here at this time? He shouldn't even be coming. He shouldn't even come to the world right now, down here to earth. He should come down later. What is it like, you know, maybe they just had a nine, they, maybe they only had a nine o'clock flight coming down from heaven. And he figured, you know what, I'll hitch a ride already, you know, he's going to come down later. I mean, obviously, you know, what, what does this mean? Well, why is he coming? Especially since he's going to be a nuisance in the sense, because Avram, and, Avram is, a, is a frail old man, 
And Avram was, was, wasn't just preparing food. We see that Avram ran individually. The, the Pasuk describes how he chased after three bull, bullocks because he wanted to uh, serve each one of them a, a tongue. So he ran after three of them. Now had this angel not showed up, he doesn't, he's not even needed over here, then Avram would have only had to prepare two tongues, not three. So he would have had less, uh, less of, a, of, 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 of work and he would have been happy because he's taking care of guests. So what, do you, what is this third angel even doing here to begin with? That's the question. Okay. Now the other thing. When we line up these three guests, we said there's, there's an interesting halacha. The halacha is that when three people come together, that when three people are walking somewhere, the, the person who is the most honorable, the greatest of the three, should walk in the middle. And then the second one walks to his right, and the other one walks to his left. And that's how people, important people, when they set off on the road, if it's like a rabbi with two students, the rabbi walks in the middle, and then the two students flank his two sides. So we have to say, when the three angels are coming to Avram, if you know, the greatest of the angels was in the middle, and the other two were on the two sides. Now, let's take a look at the three missions that they had. Rashi tells us, the first one came to notify Sarah. The second one came to uh, turn over Sodom. The third one came to heal Avram. So when we're trying, now, when we, when, we, when we evaluate the missions, the question over here is, which one is a greater mission? I mean, healing Avram Avinu, that is like a super mission. Healing at Tzaddik, that's huge. Maybe it's great, maybe you'll say it's not as great, as giving notification of the birth of the first Jew, who's going to be the father of all the Jewish people. So this is a besura about the birth of Am Yisrael, Jewish people. That's, that's beyond huge. The other one comes to turn over Sodom, to punish the Sodom. It's an important thing that needs to be done. But, in any, but in, how in the world can you compare that to the importance of healing Avram Avinu, or turning, or at least, or definitely uh, bringing the first Jewish child and baby into the world. So why would Dafka, that angel, the angel who was coming to turn over Sodom, he's the one that's walking in the middle, which means seems to imply that he is the greatest of all the three angels. Now another question. It says that uh, Rashi continues that the third angel, Malach Rifoil. The third angel who healed Avram, he continues on after he heals Avram. And he joined the, the other angel that was going to turn over Sodom. Because he needed to go there to rescue Lot, Avram's nephew. So the same angel, Mamach Rifoil, the healer of Avram, later goes to turn over, to, turn over uh, to, to save Lot. Now the question is, Rashi initially tells us over here, why does God have to send three angels? Why couldn't the same angel heal Avram Avinu? And the same angel, uh, the same Malach, uh, uh, tell Avram and Sarah the news that they're going to have a baby. So Rashi says, because an angel can't do two tasks. A Malach can only do one shlichus. They're sent to this world. They're, angels are one-track minded. They can do one thing, and that's it. Then they got to go back to their source, recharge, and then they can be sent on another mission. So since a malach, if you have to have separate angels for each task, 
So everybody asks the question. Hold it, Rashi himself contradicts himself a moment later when he says, Rafael, who went and healed Avram, he had another mission to go and, and take out and, and to rescue Lot. How does one angel do two missions? So the Ramban, Nachmanides, asks this question on Rashi. And Nachmanides says it's not a problem. The reason is he gives two answers. His first answer is that this mission wasn't given to this angel immediately. Initially, when the Malach Rifal came down into this world, he only had one mission, to go and heal Avram, and that's it. Once his mission was over, he radioed in and he said, anything else I have to do over here? After his mission was over, he was tasked with another mission to continue on and not return back. Right? It's like an Uber driver, you know? They can't get a new, a, new, a new ride until they punch in that they already dropped off the other passenger. Once they dropped off the other passenger, then it pops up. There's another person around the corner waiting for a, drive, for a ride. That's right? So that's what happened over here. The Malach can't. It would be just bewildered. It would completely confuse his mind if he would have two missions. Can't have two missions. So he only has one mission. But when he was completed that mission, that's when they notified him that he has a second mission and that is to rescue Lot. That's his answer. Then he answers another answer, Ramban, which we're not going to focus on the second answer, we're going to focus just on the first answer. But just to, Ramban says that healing and rescuing are not considered two missions because they're both in the same line of work. The guy who's healing can also be the rescuer because it's not considered two, two different tasks. It's all within the same line of, 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 of activity. And that's why it's not considered two missions, one angel can do it. But let's go back to the first interpretation. That this Malach was not given the mission to rescue Lot at all until later. The question is why? I mean, the other angel that was going to destroy Sodom, that angel was already, I mean, you can answer simply, it wasn't necessary yet. I'm going to answer my question. My question is why was the task to rescue Lot only given to the angel later, after he completed healing Avra? Well, couldn't he, why wasn't it given? To, no. It should have given it to him right away, but you can't give one angel two, so you should have sent four malachim, right? Could have given four angels, have another angel come to rescue. Now, but you're saying, no, 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 that's not what happened. This job was only given to him later. I'm asking the question, why was the job only given to him later? You can't answer and say, because it wasn't yet no geya, meaning it wasn't important yet. Because it, they, 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 it was still in the early afternoon and the turning over of Sodom was only happening in the evening, so you had to time and didn't have time. Then why did the first angel, who, the second angel, the guy who came down, the Malach Gavriel, who came down to, to destroy Sodom, why was he dispatched from heaven already earlier? We said earlier, he came and he's bothering Avram Avino. Why, why is he even coming in the first place? He was already sent to destroy Sodom immediately in the morning when the other angels, as we said before, caught the nine o'clock flight. He was already sent at that same time early morning down on this mission. Now hold it. God knows that, that, that Lot needs to be rescued. It wasn't forgotten. It wasn't like, oh, later, oh, oh my, okay, we forgot. Lot is there. We need someone else to do that. I mean, obviously, when they planned the mission above, they knew that Stom is going to be turned over. Lot needs to be rescued. And you can't say that what and argue and say Lot was only rescued later after Avram prayed for the tzaddikim because you don't see at all in the prayer that Avram Avinu was davening for Lot. It seems like Lot was saved because of the merit that he was Avram's nephew. 
because he was because because he was because he was a relative because it was Av- in Avram's merit his nephew was saved, but that merit was there before already. Since the merit was there before, why couldn't the angel, the malach, be initially sent? And if you need an extra malach, so send another malach. Send four malach. That's the question. Okay. Now we're going to continue over here. Just another few more questions. As I told you, we have a list of 20 questions. And I'm going to test everybody on the 20 as soon as the class is over. So, okay, so I hope you're keeping... I hope you're keeping... Oh, uh, uh, um, um, count. Now the next question over here is... It says that Avram Avinu turned to the angel, Vayomer, and he says, Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Why? Because it's, it says that the angels were like looking that they were leaving. And Avram tells them, please don't leave, stay over here. Please come into my house. The question over here is, the, when it says that Avram speaks to the angel, it speaks in the singular. He says to one malach, al-na-savar, he doesn't say al-na-ta'avru, you guys don't leave. He says, you want, al-na-savar, you do not leave. All the rest of the psukim speaking about the angels, about the malachim, speaks in the plural, because there's three. So if he's addressing them, he should be addressing all three. Rashi is bothered by that question. Rashi says, he only spoke to the most important one, to one of them, the one that looked the most dignified from the three. And if he won't leave, they all are going to stay. If, he's, if he decides to stay, the other, his, the other ones that are accompanying him will also stay. Okay, it's an answer, but uh, the question is, why, I mean, okay, I get that, but why does he have to do that? Why can't he just address all three together and say, because he's anyway discussing, you know, speak, dealing with all three of them, and say to them, please, you know, I have space to come to my house, have something to eat. Why can't he speak in plural? Why does he have to only address one? It's interesting, the Arachayim asked this question, and the Arachayim, I think it's the Arachayim, and the Arachayim says that it was, there was only, it was only, he only spoke to the angel that was coming to turn over Sodom. Because the angel that was coming to turn over Sodom, he wanted to leave. Why did he want to leave? Because he had no business going to Avram in the first place, as we said earlier. He has, he has nothing to do by Avram, so he was going to leave. So that angel, Avram Avinu, was calling back and saying, please don't leave. But the question is, well, why did he come in the first place? Why does he come and then leave and Avram has to ask him to come back? Now, let's fast forward a little bit further in the parsha and see what happens next. Okay, Avram serves his guests. They, they, they relent, they stay, he gives them water, they wash their feet, he puts them under a comfortable tree, and they eat. Uh, he says, I'm going to prepare bread, I'm going to give you to eat. And then um, he tells Sarah, quickly, get, get, get some good hot rolls going, go make some, okay, Rashi says it wasn't rolls, it was matzahs, because it was Erev Pesach, make matzahs, okay, get the dough going. And then Avram runs out and he goes and he gets three animals and he shechts them and he, and he, and he, and he brings it and he, and he gets the barbecue going, has Yishmol helping him, fine, he serves them. Rashi says interesting, which is important for later, he says that he serves them milk and he serves them butter, which by the way is milichik and fleishiks, which is really strange. He gives them butter and milk and he gives them meat, which by the way, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu at a much later time when the angels wanted the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu said, you were in this world for five minutes and you couldn't even keep the Torah. Even for those five minutes because you ate. 
So it's all a setup. Avram Avinu had initially set them up, the angels, made them eat non-kosher. So later, Moshe can say, hey, you guys, you, you, you can't have the Torah. But in any ways, but Rashi says an interesting thing. Rashi says that, um, if you notice, the bread in the end, he doesn't bring them the bread. Why didn't he bring them the bread? So Rashi says, because the miracle happened already. Since Sarah was now going to be told that she was going to have a baby in a year, Sarah was an old lady. She was a past already, past menopause. But now a miracle happened. She became young again, and she had her period. And now that she had her period, she became ritually impure. And because of that, the bread became Tameh. And Avram did not, let me explain something. A, 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 a bread that, that a nida, a, a, a woman during her period touches, is not, not kosher. And uh, it's obvious, of course it is kosher, and we all can eat that kind of bread all the time. It's only a certain chumrah, a certain um, stringency, that in the days when the Beis Amigdash was standing, there were those that were very careful not to eat any food since food that is sacrificial, food that is holy, food that goes to the Kohanim, Truma, cannot be eaten once they get Tameh, once they, get, they come into contact with any type of Tumah, including a woman during a menstruation. There were those that were careful that they always ate all their food with the extra stringency of this purity, and Avram Avinu's house was kept on that level of that kind of stringency. And therefore, Avram did not serve the bread to the angels. You can ask a question. The milk he can flay, he can give them. The milk and the meat, but this he didn't. But that's another question. But, but, but that's the story. So the bread they didn't get. Let's continue. After that, they turned to Avram. This is in Pasuk Tess. And they say, Where is Sarah your wife? So it seems like from the parsha that Sarah was not there during this whole meal, all this happening, she was not there. So Rashi says, so why is he, what was the point of this request, of this asking? So Rashi says two things. Number one is because the, 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 uh, now, hold on, now, before we get to that. When the angel says, when the angels, all through, it says, Vayoyimru, they said to Avram, where is Sarah your wife? Now we understand why one of them needs to speak to Sarah, because remember we said there are three angels. One of them's task is to tell Sarah that she's going to have a baby. So he's got to speak to her, so we can understand why he says, where is Sarah your wife? The question is, how come the Pasuk says, Vayoyimru, they said a love to him, implying that more than one angel said, where is your wife? So the question is, why, why are the other angels, they have no business talking to Sarah now. The other two, one has to turn over Sodom, the other one has to heal Avram Avinu, and then rescue Lot, but there's no, they have no business talking to Sarah. So why are they all three saying, like you see later in the Pasuk, the actual conversation between the Malach and Sarah was only from one angel. In the same Pasuk it says, in the next Pasuk, Vayoymer, he said, Shoiv Alecha, I will return to you in a year from now and you will have a baby boy. So only one angel, because he's the one who's talking. So how come all three chime in to Avram and say, where is your wife? That's the question. The other question is, Rashi says there was an extra reason why they said, where is Sarah? Because they knew where Sarah was. They're angels, and they, and they, they kind of knew what was going on. Sarah stayed 
inside the inner room. They were eating outside, under the, you know, like the picnic table, under the tree. And Sarah was inside. So um, they asked Avram, where is Sarah? Because they wanted Avram to say, oh, she's inside the house, inside the tent. Why did Avram, why did they want him to say so? So that he should cherish and appreciate and really, really value his wife. Why? Why was she in the tent? Because of modesty reasons. Because of modesty reasons, that's why she was in the tent. And what would make Avram love his wife? Not that she was so good looking or some other thing that would like make other people proud of their wife. What would make Avram Avinu proud of his wife was that and he, and, and he would be filled with love, was her extreme modesty. So they wanted to highlight to Aram Avinu, look how modest your wife is. And then Rashi gives another reason, in order to send her, the reason they're asking where is Sarah, is because they wanted to send her from the cup of benching. They benched, and you bench on a cup, and when you bench on a cup, there's, left, there's wine, and it's called Kaisha Brach, it's blessed wine. So they wanted to send her from that wine, from the Kaisha Brach. So that's where is your wife? The question over here is that why suddenly over here, oh, so it's true. So I, I get the purpose of the question. The question is because they want to bring forth that she's a very modest woman. But the manner in which they asked is. Like, how is she doing, right? Where is your wife? And how is she doing? If this is the case, then why didn't they ask it at the beginning of the meal? The entire meal is over. Again, the second Pirish in Rashi is they wanted to send her wine. I can understand why they waited till the end of the meal. But if the reason they're asking is because they just want to let Avram Avinu know how precious his wife is and special, how modest she is, and again, they didn't tell Avram, oh, we're going to make you really like your wife now by telling you how modest your wife is. They're obviously not doing that. They were just being polite. They were acting just in a very polite way of, the, where is your wife? But if they're doing out of politeness, then if you go to someone's home and you see someone very important, an important person over there, husband, wife, or whatever it is, is missing, is absent, so immediately you say, where is your, like, where's your husband, where's your wife? It makes sense that this question should be asked immediately. How come they waited until after the meal and then they asked, where is Sarah? The other thing is, we know that Avram Avinu knows already how tzniyastig his wife is. It says when they were going down to Egypt, he, he, he says, oh, now I see you're very beautiful. Rashi says because they passed, they passed a, uh, a, a, a river and he saw her face. And he saw in the river because they were very, there was, it, was a, it was a big tzni, usually she was covered. And because of that, so it seems that Avram Avinu had already an appreciation of, 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 of Sarah's tzniyas. How come it seems like Dafka now, at this moment, there needed to be, he, they're notifying Avram Avinu about the greatness of Sarah, our mother, that she was a very, very modest woman. The other thing that's extremely strange is right after they asked Avram, where is Sarah? The Pasuk goes ahead and says that they asked Sarah also. By the way, I just want, I just want, to, I want to make something very clear. The, because we're going to be talking a little bit about this modesty of Sarah, and I, and, I, and I really do want to make something clear. You see, when we talk about modesty of a woman, there is a few things. There is halacha. What is the absolute halacha that is considered modesty? And then there is uh, what's called the custom. 
what is the, the custom of the place, the custom of the social norm in that, in that place. So uh, this idea that Sarah was stayed in a tent and if she had male guests coming, she stayed indoors and she didn't go out to greet them, is not a law in Sneus. It's not like, you know, any time a man would come, you know, uh, 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 comes to the house and would have to visit his friend, that the wife has to go inside the other room. It's not a law at all. It was, however, it was a standard in Sneus that was in, in that time, in that place. So when there's a certain standard and a certain thing, so that it's almost like that becomes kind of the halacha, even though it's not the halacha. So I'm saying in this case, this extra tzniyas that Sarah was in the tent was not an absolute uh, halacha in, in the case, but nevertheless, it was the, the standard that was in Avram's house. But in any case, the Pasuk says, Rashi says that not only they ask, did they ask Avram, where is Sarah? They also asked Sarah, where is Avram? Which means they went to speak to Sarah and to ask Sarah, where is Avram? So this is really strange. Because if we're just saying that what, that the reason they went and they spoke to Avram and said, where is Sarah, your wife, is to notify how Tzniya she is and therefore she's staying indoors and she's not going out to mingle with the men. So what are they doing going out to speak to her? And it's more than that. From the fact that they're asking him, where is Avram? is implying that they were alone with her. If Avram is standing over there, they can't say, where is Avram? So they're going in alone with Sarah, and they're asking her, where is Avram? So isn't that itself the total opposite of Tzniyas, which you're trying to highlight over here how Tzniyas Sarah is? It doesn't make any sense. The other thing is, what is the meaning they're saying? Where is Avram? What do you mean, where is Avram? Who fed you? Who took care of you till now? I can understand they're saying, where is Sarah? Because Sarah was absent. But what does it mean to say that? It's not like they just said, how is your husband Avram? They said, where is Avram? What's the question, where is Avram, when everybody knows that the last two hours you were spending with my husband, and he fed you, and he gave you a whole barbecue. So what do you mean, where is Avram? What's the question? It seems to be a ludicrous question. And finally, we're going to conclude all the questions with one last thing. We said earlier that they sent to... to uh, Two more questions. Yeah, one more, one more thing. How does Avram Avinu answer when they ask him, where is your wife? Avram says, Hine ba'ohel. Behold, she's in the tent. The word hine seems to be a little bit extra bold emphasis. She is in the tent. Where is your wife? Ba'ohel in the tent. What's this? Hine ba'ohel. Behold, she's in the tent. And the last Thing that we should ask. Many commentators ask this, que- this question. Rashi says that, she's, that the Malachim sent her from the wine of Birchas Amaza, from the benching. What do you mean? What benching? They didn't have any bread. We spoke earlier that the bread became ritually impure. So they went and they dumped the bread. There was no bread. If there's no bread, there's no benching. What kind of benching over here? All they had was meat. So if there's no meat, there's no kosher bracha. So what are they sending a kosher bracha? It's obviously a question. Okay. Here you got, I don't know if you, if you wrote down, but, I, but, but it should have been 20 questions. So all those questions will be answered in just one thought and one marvelous idea. And that is as follows. Um, the Talmud tells us, I related this I related this passage of, ta- of, the, of the Gemara 
last year, Parshas Vayera, same, and I brought the same idea, just this one little idea. It's an interesting thing. That when David HaMelech came back from the battlefield, after, as a national hero, after he just took down and killed the Philistine giant Goliath, that, uh, that, that everybody that was taunting the Jewish people, and he was a hor- horrible menace to the Jewish people. And David HaMelech came out and he shot him with a sling and he killed him. So as he was returning from the battlefield, Shaul HaMelech was watching from a distance from the window, I think, and he saw, so here is the, 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 the prince, the knight, returning from the battlefield. And Shaul had promised that the one that would kill the, uh, the, uh, the giant would marry his daughter. So he begins to inquire, who is this person returning? Who is this guy? Who is this David? So as he was asking, who is his parents? Where does he come from? He wants to know a little bit more. Who's going to marry his daughter? So one of his advisors, I don't remember if it was Achitofel or Mipi Boshes, but it was one of his advisors that there was not such a good guy who started telling him, before you even inquire you know, about his family, what, where, and when, if he's worthy for being a king, you should first inquire if he's even worthy to be a Jew. Maybe he's not allowed to even be, maybe we can't even allow him, this guy to even be Jewish. I know who this guy is. He says he's a grandson of that, of, 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 of so and so and so, and, you tra- and ultimately he comes from Rus. Rut, right? Rut, Rus. And Rus, we know, it was a Moabite woman. She's a Moabite girl, she was a Moabite princess. And the Torah says that Moabites are now allowed to marry into the Jewish people. Any, that means that even if they convert, anybody from the Moab, any Moab descendant is not allowed to marry even if they convert into the Jewish people. So therefore, being that, 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 that David is a, a grand, and his grandmother married Boaz, married his grandmother, and therefore it was a non-kosher marriage, so all of their children are non-kosher Jews. And therefore, he can't, he can't even marry a regular Jewish girl, let alone marry the princess, marry the daughter of the king. So the other one of the advisors of David completely refuted this. And he answers and he says, no, 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 no. It has already been established way back then that she is allowed to marry Boaz because the law that a Moab descendant is not allowed to marry into the Jewish people only applies to males descendants, to the male descendants of Moab, but not to the female descendants of Moab. The girls, all the girls from the, any female descendant from Moab is, when, if she converts, is allowed to marry a Jewish man. How do we know so? So he says, let's look in the Chumash. In the Chumash, when the Torah says why, in, in Chumash, in Devarim, in Deuteronomy, it says, that anybody from Amon Amor, Bekahal Hashem, is now allowed to come into the congregation of God, can't marry you. And it says, the reason is, and they did not come out with bread and water to greet you when you were, when the Jewish people were traveling in the desert past the lands of Moab, they should have came out to greet you with bread and water and be nice, nice to, to, the, to those the, that, are, that, are, that are at the border. Go out and greet them. Be nice to them. Uh, if you want, you can. Right? And instead of doing that, they went and they hired Bilam, who was the great uh, Gentile prophet, to curse the Jewish people. So they harmed you instead of acting in a decent manner. Fine. And that's the reason God says, I will never accept them. They shouldn't, they, they should, even if they convert, they can't marry. Oh, so the, 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 uh, this, this uh, advisor says to, to Shaul, to King Saul, he says, 
Now, since the reason the Torah gives because they should have came out with bread and water and offered it to the soul to offer it to the Jewish people, who is so who who is it befitting to walk outside of their camp and go out there to the men, to the soldiers, and bring them uh, to bring them water and, and bread? That it makes sense for the men to do that. So you can hold the men accountable for not doing that. But women, it's not the style for women. Because, it, because of modesty, it would not be right for the women to go outside to greet the Jewish men and offer them the, the, the bread and the water. Since it's not a woman's style to do that, because a woman should act in a more modest way, it is for that reason that the women were not included when God said that you're not allowed to let the Moabim marry the Jewish people. So women are exempt. It's only the men of Moab that are guilty, but not the women. How do we know the Gemara says that a woman is not supposed to be so outgoing, out and reaching to, and, and, and interacting with the men outside? So the Gemara brings two proofs for that. The second proof is from the Pasuk in, in our parsha that Avram Avinu, when the Malachim say, where is Sarah? He says, she's in the tent. Even though there's a big mitzvah here, of taking care of the guest, Sarah allowed Avram to do the actual interaction, even though she was involved in the mitzvah. She was cooking and doing everything indoors, but she didn't step out to, and, 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 and interact with the man because of her modesty. So from here we learn out that it's the modesty of the woman to be indoors. And for that reason, uh, David HaMelech then was allowed, that, 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 cleared, that cleared the way for King David to marry Shaul's daughter, and so on and so forth, which really proved to begin with that the that 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 it only applies to Moabite men and not to Moabite women. Fine. So later. So now, so now, now after we see, so we see an amazing thing that the actual per, permission for a a uh, um, for for. Um, Rus to convert, to marry the Jewish people, was all hinged on something that Sarah had to first demonstrate. So what happened really is like this. At this moment in time, the corruption of the cities of Sodom and Amorah reached a climax. It reached already a boiling point. They needed to be dealt with. By the way, an interesting thing I just saw today, a thing. Why is it right now that God's wrath is coming to the world? Right at this point, to punish Sodom and Amorah right now. And the answer is we know that Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov are the three attributes. Avram is Chesed, Yitzhak is Gevura, and Yaakov is Teferis. Who was now going to be born? Who was entering the world? Yitzhak. And right now on Pesach, it was the time that they were coming to say that, that even though Yitzhak isn't arriving yet, but they were coming, the Malachim were coming to pave the way and tell Avram and Sarah that in a year from now, Yitzchak is going to be born, this is going to be his birthday. So with, this is already within the year of Yitzchak's birth. Obviously Yitzchak's neshama was beginning to descend closer to the world. Since this was the case, Yitzchak is Gevura, so that brought judgment of Hashem onto the world. So the fire and brimstone that came down on Stom and Amorah, that kind of punishment was a result of Yitzchak's energy coming into the world. But Al-Kopanim, Yitzchak's Nisham, and Gavriel, who's the fire, the angel of fire, has the mission to destroy Sodom. 
But he has a dilemma. What's his dilemma? What's his problem? His problem is when he destroys Sodom, he does not know if he's supposed to bring about total devastation and, and destroy and kill everybody, or is he supposed to rescue Lot? Why would he rescue Lot? Lot was corrupt together with all the others. The only reason to rescue Lot earlier, I said, was in the merit of Avram. But the real reason why Lot needed to be rescued was not so much in the merit of Avram, because of the merit of his offspring. Because Lot was going to father Moab, and Moab was going to be the grandfather of Eglon, the king of Moab, whose daughter is going to be Rus, who from Rus is going to come King David, and from King David is going to come Mashiach. So the spark of Mashiach is now contained in, Mashiach's neshama is now contained, like the Medrash says on the Pasuk, Matsasi David Avdi. I found David my servant. The Medrash says, Heichen Matsasi, where did I find him? Besedom in Sedom. David Amelech and Mashiach are a diamond that are buried in Sedom. And now the angel Gabriel, who is about to destroy everything, is chas v'shalom, a hair breath away of destroying Mashiach's neshama. Together with all evil, he would chas v'shalom destroy this soul. So, but, uh, the question is, does he rescue him or he shouldn't rescue him? What's the, what's the question? I mean, obviously Mashiach deserves to be rescued. Problem is, however, if it's going to be decreed that the Moabites cannot marry into the Jewish people, and it will include a Moabite women and Moabite men, so obviously this cannot be the lineage of Mashiach. Because she can't marry into the Jewish people, you can't assimilate, so the soul cannot be brought from Moab into the Jewish people. What is God going to do? How is he going to bring Mashiach? I don't know. He would have to figure out some other tactic of getting Mashiach's neshama, but it would not be through this chain that was coming now because it would be a non-kosher situation because Moabites can't marry Jews. What needs to be established, however, if that's only Jewish men, I mean Moabite men and not Moabite women, then everything is different. Then we need to rescue Lot so that we can rescue his granddaughter Rus, which eventually will be the rescue of, of Mashiach's Neshach. What is it dependent on? It's dependent on the modesty of women. It's dependent on if, uh, if we say that it's, not, that it's immodest for a woman to be out there, out mingling with the men, or, uh, or it's not. It's okay for a woman. Where is it going to be decided? It has to be decided in the, in the tent of Torah. What's the tent of Torah? What's the only yeshiva here in this world now? It's in Avram's house. So you got to see what's happening by Avram Avinu. So that's the reason why this malach, now we'll go back and we begin to ask, answer the questions. This is the reason why this malach didn't just hitch an early flight, as we mentioned earlier, because came earlier and joined along with the other two malachim, because he came to verify the halacha. He came to check out the halacha, where does a woman belong? And therefore he came with the other three, with the other two angels. And where did they go? Three men, Itzavim, Olav. They stood right upon him. We asked earlier, what's the mention? Were they standing upon him? Yeah. They went to look at who's sitting at the entrance of the tent. Is Avram sitting there or is Avram and Sarah both sitting there? Now, obviously, if she would be sitting there, what would be the reason she'd be sitting there? To come call the guest in. Which means, as we said earlier, that that, that, that stringency and modesty wasn't important. 
That's why Sarah would also be outside at the entrance of the tent. When they came and they saw that what? That Avram was sitting, Now remember they asked the question, why was Avram Avinu? Why does the Pasuk have to say Pesach oil? Entrance, because that's the whole point. That when, that, that, that when, the, when the Malachim came, Avram was sitting Pesach oil. He was at the entrance of the tent. But Sarah wasn't there. So what does it say? The, the Malach came and he was standing over there. And one of the questions was, it seems like the Malach was here and then they left. The answer is, yeah, of course he left. The moment he established that Sarah wasn't there participating in this in this mitzvah of Achnosus Orchim to be out there, but she was indoors, he had nothing to do anymore, this Malach. This Malach had no reason anymore to, to, uh, to stay, because he already verified what he needed to verify. So he was ready to leave. That's why Avram Avinu calls out, and he only speaks to one angel. That's why he said, remember we said, why does it say in the singular? He says to one angel, don't leave, stay, okay. So now he's staying because Avram called him. But his mission was done already. He now has already decided that he needs to rescue Lot. This will also explain the other, the other, other question we asked. How come the mission to save Lot was not given immediately to the angel, but it was only given later? And the angel who healed Avram Avinu, only after he healed Avram Avinu, was given to him the other mission. We asked how come, I mean obviously the, the, the idea to rescue Lot was part of the necessity, so why wasn't it given to him originally? The answer is, he couldn't have given the mission to, 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 to rescue uh, Lot, because we don't even know if Lot should be rescued yet. So that mission in heaven, they couldn't have given him that mission, until they'll first go to Avram's house, and they'll establish what's going on, and only after that can that mission be given. So that answers that other question on why this mission was the only one of the missions that was not given immediately, the mission was on a delay, it was only given after a point. Okay. So now we'll also understand what happened, why from the three angels that came, there was one Malach, which Malach was in the middle? The Malach that came to this turn over Sodom was the Malach that was in the middle. Why is that the Malach that was considered the Malach that's, 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 um, that's, that's the most important of the three missions? It's very, very important that Avram Tzaddik should be healed. It's very, very important to tell us that Yitzchak is about to be born. Very, very important. But the most important thing in the world is for Mashiach to come. And it was that Malach who was going to turn over Sodom that was going to verify right now, even though he wasn't the one who rescued Lot, but he was now, in, as the three were coming to Avram Avinu, he was the one who was doing the verification. Regarding, yes, rescuing, because he was the one who needed to turn over Sodom, and he needed to know if he's turning over and killing everybody or not. So he was the one who was involved in that question. And being that it was his, his, his inquiry in regarding the, the enabling of Mashiach to come to the world, depending on the modesty of the woman, at this moment, so that's why from all the three malachim, this malach is considered the greatest of all the three malachim, and the other ones are only his accompaniments. They're not, they, they, they're, they're, the, great, the importance of their mission pales in comparison to the malach that was coming to turn over Saddam. Now, what happens? They have the meal. And... Um, Turns out that there's no bread coming in the meal. 
So what happened since there was no bread coming in the meal? They, Malachim, so they figure out that the bread, because initially they heard Avram say, make the bread, fire up the oven, make the bread. Now there's no bread. So they figured it out, they're angels, that's probably because the bread became defiled because of, because of Tameh, because the bread became Tameh, because Sarah, Sarah um, got her period. So now the whole thing suddenly was again questionable. Because now that Sarah got her period, so the Malachim are beginning to say, A, 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 A. So that, whatever we've just proven that a woman should be a little more modest and stay indoors, doesn't, and we see it from Sarah, doesn't really, really, is not really proven. Because could be that because of the situation, maybe she's not feeling well, and for that reason she's staying indoors. In other words, under ordinary circumstances, maybe she too would be sitting at the entrance of the tent. But because Sarah became a nida, because Sarah wasn't, so then it's possible that only because of this situation she didn't come outdoors, she stayed inside. So then, now the whole question came back after the meal. So that's why they asked Avram Avinu, and they said, after the meal, they said, And that's why it says, They said, who said? One Malach needed to speak to Sarah because he needed to tell her that she's going to have a baby. The other Malach is also in court. It doesn't mean all three, but at least two of them. Because the other Malach was also asking Avram, he wants to know what's going on with Sarah, where is she? Meaning to ask, where is she? Means where is she hanging out? And, and when Avram said to her, Hine ba'oyel, she's in the tent. And it's interesting, he answers her, Hine ba'oyel, behold, she's in the tent. Meaning to say, oh, she is where she usually is. She's usually in the tent. She doesn't really, uh, you know, I go out and I'm the one running around for guests. She helps me out, but she stays more indoors because of her tzniyas. So he's verifying not the question where she's now. The question is, where is, where is Sarah usually? So if I'm Avram's answer, he can get that she is by the tent. Hine ba, and that's why that's what Avram emphasizes. Hine, and we asked earlier, what's that? Hine, hine ba oil, she is in the tent. That, that's where she usually is. Now we'll understand also, we asked earlier, the tzniyas, that Avram knows she's tzniyasti. And they wanted to highlight to Avram and tell him, oh, look how tzniyas your wife is. Because here's a big chiddush, here's a novelty. The novelty is even though there is a mitzvah involved over here. And the mitzvah was a mitzvah of orchem, of, of, of taking care of guests. Yet, the importance of the modesty of the woman is so important that even the mitzvah of orchem needs to be taken consideration, the modesty. So that's what they wanted to make Avram realize. That even in, in other words, Herzniyas is not just, you know, just, just in, in, in regular, even when it involves a mitzvah. She also has a, a, a refinement and a tzniyas and a modesty that Sarah has. Now, we'll also, in order to further verify this idea, in order to make certain and certain and certain that, the, that, 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 um, Sarah's, that Sarah's being in the tent, this is as a result of her modesty, and that's why she's in the tent. So the Malachim came and they asked Sarah, where is Avram? Meaning to say, they wanted to hear from her, 
We asked earlier, of course they know where Avram is. When they asked her, where is Avram, they heard from her, she says, oh yeah, he sits, he sits outside in his regular place. He's by the entrance of the tent, that's where he sits. I hang out in here. I'm here, she's, he's there. So they, in other words, they're asking the question to Avram, we asked before, it's the opposite of Tzniyas. Here there was an important here there was an important halacha. They, this malach needed to really, really, really know what the custom is in Avram Avinu's house. So he asked Sarah, where is Avram? So that she will say, oh, so Avram, he's at the tent. He's at the entrance of the tent. I'm here and he's there. This will also explain, we asked right at the beginning of the class, what is the significance of Vayeda Elav Hashem, that Hashem appeared to Avram. And we asked, the Ebershah didn't, com- God didn't communicate anything to Avram at this revelation. So why does it say Vayeda? What is Hashem, what's, what's the content of the appearance? The appearance that the Ebershah appeared to Avram at that time was the revelation of Moshiach. This was a Moshiach moment. The Ebershah was coming to reveal to Avram Avinu something about the future redemption. Why? Avram just had his bris milah. He means bris milah means he removed all the... What's, what's Mashiach? Mashiach is gilu yalokos, divine revelation. Orla, the foreskin, is the idea that covers and obscures and blocks godly revelation. Once the orla is removed, now it's time. In Avram's own world, in a sense, Mashiach came already. It was a Mashiach moment, godly revelation. So Vayeda Elav Hashem, the Hizgalus, the revelation of God at that time, was the Hizgalus of Mashiach to Avram Avinu. That is the reason why we asked earlier, why did Hashem make it hot? He could have had other ways to, to, keep, the, uh, to, to keep the guest away. Because we know the sages say that when Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to remove the sun from its sheath and allow the sun to shine in all of its intensity. In its deeper meaning, it means the sun is referring to godliness, Hashem's light, and it's not going to be obscured, it's not going to be hidden. But in general, even if we don't learn that, it, Mashiach comes as involved, involves a certain heat that's going to come to the world and the righteous people are going to be healed by it and the wicked. That's why the Pasuk says, so why is the heat coming now? It's coming right now because right now there is a Mashiach energy in the world. And that Mashiach energy in the world is related to the fact that Sarah was modest. Because had Sarah not have been modest, with the lack of Sarah's modesty, that would have thrown this entire thing into limbo. Because the whole birth of Mashiach, the extraction of that neshama from the garbage dump of Sodom, could not have been achieved. But now at this moment, since the Malach was going to come, he was going to verify the halacha, this was the great revelation. That's why at this time the world became hot, like it's going to be when Mashiach comes, and that's why it says, like the heat. Why? Because it was compared to the heat of the future of Mashiach's. That was one of the questions we asked. It says, because it's like the heat of the future time. This will also explain why Avram Avinu immediately bows down to the guest. Because he just got the revelation from Hashem, who told them that there was going to be a Mashiach. Today is a Mashiach day. Today you're going to get news about the future redemption. So when Avram sees these three people coming to him, he already knew that there's good things coming. What, where, how, and when he doesn't. Therefore, he bows down to the guest because he recognizes that they're bringing him, they're bringing him this Mashiach, this Mashiach news, this, 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 this something about the Giyula, something about Mashiach, and bringing Mashiach closer was coming through these guests, and that's why Avram Avinu bowed down to them. 
This will also explain, we asked earlier, how come Avram Avinu sent to Sarah? We asked, how come Avram Avinu sent her the cup of wine? How can, not she, the angel sent the cup of wine, they didn't even bench. And the answer is, it wasn't physically a cup of wine. They're not sending the actual wine. First of all, you'll have a problem with them sending the wine because it was wine that a Gentile touched and it wouldn't be kosher for her to eat. But that wouldn't be because she, she doesn't know they're angels. And they look like Arabs that are... That's not what it was. What they were sending is as follows. We know one of the greatest things that are going to happen when Mashiach comes is going to be that big, 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 big party. And by that big party, there's going to be a big fish and a big, whatever that means, spiritual things. But in the midst of all of that, there's going to come time to bench... And the ultimate, and the benching is going to be, there's going to be a dispute, there's going to be a, not a dispute, there's going to be a, a question of who's going to be honored with the benching. And the cup that they're going to bench, that the sages say is going to be a huge cup holding 221 lug, whatever that means, of wine, of this wine that was from the grapes from the days of creation, is going to be first given to Avram and then to Yitzchak and to Yaakov. It's going to be passed along from person to person. And everybody's going to decline until it's going to land on King David's um, plate, Moshiach Tzedkenu. It seems like from this that David HaMelech in this case is Moshiach himself, that idea. And, and Moshiach is going to say, and David is going to say, me, I am worthy to bench. Kois Yeshua is Esai, he's going to lift up that cup and he's going to do the ultimate Kois bracha. the cup of blessing is David HaMelech's cup. Kois Yerevoya, my cup is full. When they sent to Sarah from the Kois Shabracha, it doesn't necessarily have to mean in the physical sense that they gave her some of that wine, because we said before there was no bread, so there was no Kois Shabracha. What they really were giving, telling Sarah, is they were giving her a thank you. And they basically told her that she rescued the world. And they basically, and they channeled the Kois Shabracha, the ultimate cup of blessing, which Mashiach is going to bring to the world. The cup of blessing that's going to bring eternal life. The cup of blessing that's going to remove all illness, all hunger, all poverty, all jealousy, all war, or sorrow, and every teardrop on the cheek of any person that the, this ultimate cup that's going to do away with all darkness, that ultimate cup was all as a result of a modesty of one Jewish woman, the grandmother of the Jewish people. Once that was verified, the go-ahead, the green light was given for an entire sequence of unbelievable events that is going to lead to the coming of Mashiach. And, the, and the, of course, the, the lesson for all of us is that it's not easy being modest. Sometimes it's very challenging and very, very difficult. And, um, and, 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 and sometimes a person feels that my little struggles is just about myself and my own life, but when you realize that, you, that, that, that when you're doing the right thing, and even if it's difficult and it's hard, but as the Rambam says, one act is bringing a Yeshua v'hatzalah, it's bringing salvation and saving the entire planet, and saving the entire world for all of eternity. And a courageous act of Tzniyas today is just as valuable as that original act of Sarah Imenu, of our mother Sarah in her tzniyas. May we merit, in the merit of all the modesty and all the goodness of Jewish women in particular, to see the Geula Shalema, may we happen it.
May we see it. May it happen now. Yeah.